Hello, all, and welcome to The Blue Diamond. This is Adre with something to say. So if you've been listening regularly, I've been talking about my marches lately on a new series I have called Stop Killing Black People, A One-Woman Crusade. So I've been thinking about everything that's been going on in America for the last few centuries. But of course, more immediately, what's been happening you know, over the last several years. And one of the things I know that we're lacking is a strong leader to unify us. We get unified to a certain extent when um, someone dies and there's a, a major tragedy. I shouldn't say when someone dies, when someone is murdered or lynched or clubbed to death, beaten to death shot to death in the streets. And um, I was listening to my favorite, I stress that, my favorite civil rights leader, Congressman Adam Clayton Powell Jr. And if you don't know who he is, I suggest that you watch the movie Keep the Faith Baby, um, which is a, I guess you call that a biopic. It's a very good movie. There's also tons of um, videos on YouTube where you can watch a lot of his uh, speeches. And I just want to share some of his words with you today because I continue to listen to him and what he was saying many decades ago, unfortunately, rings true today. He could literally, if he were still living, stand at a podium today and say what he said years ago without editing a word, and it would be completely true. And that's sad, but I know a lot of people are not aware of who Adam Clayton Powell Jr. was, the congressman out of New York, and, um, and so I just want to share some of the things that he talked about there. So I'm going to share you share with you some excerpts from different speeches. But all of these words really focus around what black power means. When we say black power, what are we saying? So Adam Clayton Powell Jr. said that black power is an attempt at equality of dignity and character and recognition by non-black folks of our negritude. Black power is the saving race of the United States. The United States is no longer an isolated nation. Congressman Powell went on to say that the United States is being judged by one unknown, isolated black man or black woman who is senselessly beat to death on the streets of the United States. The United States, as he said, is not a great society. It is a sick society. Congressman Powell said wherever he went all over the world, he had leaders saying to him, how can the United States expect us to follow them, them meaning the United States, in creating a free world when back in the United States, you are clubbing black men and women to death and shooting them down 
how can they expect us to do that? And that's right. And that's true to this day. And it's being said even more now. Now we can see it because of social media, I should say. So we t- pretend to be these great, this great nation with great leaders and a great democracy. But you're not pulling the wool over anyone's eyes, America. And while Trump the dump is walking around talking about make America great again, Congressman Powell said back in the day, this is not a great society. It is a sick society. But when you're walking around doing well, you can ignore the sickness. But the sickness is affecting you. So maybe, you know, your your, your pinky hurts every once in a while, but not that much. It's more of an annoyance. And so you ignore it. I'm tired of being the damn pinky in a white man's life. He can ignore that annoyance that pops around every once in a while. And, you know, right now we have not evolved the pinky off. The pinky is part of the hand. It's one of your fingers. You need it. So anyway, um, Congressman Powell, uh, try to remind Americans that being pro-black does not mean that we are anti-white. And we're still saying that to the day. And he wanted you to understand that just as the Black Panthers of that day said, we're not the aggressors. We're the defenders. Being pro-black means we have black dignity and black integrity. And we want black equality and we want it now. Those words said by Adam Clayton Powell are true to this day. We want it now. We've been saying we want it now for centuries. You guys, this time something has to change. We have to get up and make the change. All the steps that we've been taking over the years have not brought us any closer to breaking the shackles and being freed from bondage. We are not picking cotton. We are not living in shacks on Massa's property. But guess what? There's still a Massa. And he's still in control. And he has circumvented those laws that have been put into place to protect us. So nothing's changed. We have to make the change. We have to force the change. And sitting here talking about it is not going to make the difference that we need. And I'm tired of gestures. Gestures mean nothing. I'm done with them. I saw yesterday a photograph of, well, several photographs of Melania Trump and Ben Carson um, at the um, National Archives, and they were looking at a couple of documents, the Emancipation Proclamation, and forgive me, I forget the name of the other one. And uh, Melania said that looking at these documents is a reminder that our country was built on freedom. And I almost threw up a little. 
number one, this country was not built on freedom. It was stolen from Native Americans and then built on the backs of slaves. It was not, there was nothing free about the building of the United States of America. Nothing. And out West, when they wanted to build the, the railroads, what did they do? They put, they used um, men from China and used them like slaves. We've had Japanese internment camps. We've had babies and children ripped from their parents and put into cages. Freedom. Well, I have a different definition of freedom. But I understand that you guys mean freedom for a limited number of people. And we need to do something about that. Another thing that Congressman Powell said was that we, meaning black people and brown people, are in the majority. Well, definitely, if you take a look around the United States, the country is getting browner and browner. And that's something that we need to recognize. You got some white folks out there that recognize it, and that's why they're so angry right now. They feel a race war coming because our numbers are increasing. The race war has been going on since they first came to the United States. Well, not the United States, came to the New World, as they called it, and raped and pillaged the people in the land that were already here. But our numbers are growing. And as a matter of fact, and I wish I could remember the exact year, um, but I spent several years working at a university in the Office of Admission. I was the program and events coordinator, and I was also um, managerial level. So I went to all the management meetings and there was one year in particular, and I don't remember if it was 2014 or 2015, but we were looking at demographics across the United States. And the fall of that year, for the first time in the history of the United States of America, the number of kindergartners that were black and brown was higher than the number of kindergartners that are white across the United States. What's my point in bringing up this note? It's to remind you that we have some power in voting. And I know you will hear a lot of people say that our vote doesn't count. The Electoral College picks the president and there's voter fraud and voter suppression. If you feel disenfranchised or you know that your vote is being suppressed, I urge you to get in contact with the proper city officials and your community leaders and your civil rights leaders. If you don't know who they are, check them out now. Don't wait until late October, early November when it's time to vote and say, hey, I have a problem. Uh, I don't remember who it was. And I'm sorry, I'm always telling you guys stuff and don't have all the facts. I, I, I listen to a lot of things. And so I get some things confused sometimes. But anyway, I saw someone on Facebook 
a video clip where someone said, if you are upset about what's going on, but you don't even know what's going on in your local government, that's a problem. Oh, I remember it was, I was watching the, um, Congressional Black Caucus virtual town hall a couple of weekends ago. And, um, they were taught, oh, it, it was just last Friday. And they had a representative from the NAACP who heads up the youth organizations on a national level. And she was putting out some action plans. And one of the things she said was get to know who your local government is. You should know who your chief of police is. You should know who your, your congressmen are, your state, your state reps, your um, councilmen, obviously your mayor, the superintendent of schools. You should be able to spit these things out by name. All of those things directly affect you. And it's great that we are out in the streets marching after what has happened to George Floyd. But a lot of you know his name, but have no idea who your councilman is, who your chief of police is. You, you don't know those things, and you may not even be able to call the mayor by name. You should know all these things. Who is Who sits on the Board of Education? And take these votes seriously. It means you're going to have to do some research, but isn't it worth it when it comes to your rights and how you want your community to grow and develop? Isn't that important? Take that time because which one is the bigger sacrifice? Having to sit down and do some research so that you can vote properly for your wants and needs in your community or having a march in the streets because someone else of color was just senselessly murdered by a thug in uniform. Wh which one's the bigger sacrifice? So use your black power. Use your, your thought process of being pro-black to get out there and vote. There's a lot of us. There's some weight in our vote. If we can all get out there and vote, every single person of color can go out and vote, who, who is um, legally able to vote. You know, you're at least 18 years old. Make sure your kids go and vote. One of the things that my local town did was they gave out swag bags to the um, senior class this year. Because, you know, everything is more parade style. So they had like a, a pickup where you, you drove up to the school and you grabbed a swag bag. And in that swag bag was the materials for registering to vote. Make sure that your child who is of legal age to vote registers to vote. And have a discussion with your child. Show them how to be politically involved. When my niece was in high school, I took her down to Democratic headquarters with me so that we could volunteer. And at first she was a little bit nervous because we were volunteering to call people to see if they were going to come out to vote. And I said, don't worry about it. Even if you encounter 
you know, some hostility. These people don't know who you are. They don't know what you look like. You're not divulging any personal information, but you're doing something for the greater good by encouraging people to get out there and vote. And before you know it, she was in the swing of things. She was getting excited. Okay, who am I calling next? And she felt charged. And that was a charge that continued so that when she went on to Morgan State University, she did so much community service work that she was voted in as president of her class in charge of community service. And she also went out into the streets the day after the unrest in Baltimore to clean up the streets. We need to get our young people involved. We need to make sure they understand that they have some power and there's some weight in their vote. And we all need to go out and do that. And again, I'll say it, if you feel like your vote is jeopardized or being suppressed, contact the necessary officials or community leaders. And there's one more thing that Congressman Adam Clayton Powell Jr. said that I thought was powerful. He said, instead of burn a baby burn, go out there and learn baby learn so that you can earn baby earn. It's one of the things that the powerful respect. They respect, listen to, and sometimes even yield to what they consider to be the almighty dollar. And you don't have to let money change you, but you can use it to help change your situation, our situation. And that's what I feel you should do. Um, I, uh, my mother, father, and I took a drive the other day just to kind of get, get out because, you know, the pandemic has us closed in and everything. So we drove to Essex, Connecticut. Um, it's a great place to go if you just want to take a drive because it's very picturesque. It's very quaint. Um, it is very white. <laughs> there might be four people, four black people in Essex. I don't know if there's that many. It's very white. Um, has a lot of large, high-end homes. And so we were just basically you know, taking a drive and um, looking at some of these very, very old homes. And I was looking for mud scrapers. I recently learned what that was. And um, so I was looking on the porches of these old homes as we were driving by, trying to see how many I could find. Let me tell you what I did find. I did find a couple of mud scrapers, but I found something that's really worth mentioning. <clears throat> I saw Black Lives Matter yard signs at these in front of these houses that rich white folks lived in in this small quaint town i also saw three white people uh, a man and two women standing on the corner with their masks on and all three of them had signs one of the signs said, Black Lives Matter. The other sign said, it had some, is it something about Martin Luther King Jr.? It may, be, may have been a quote of his, but the words were small and we were driving. So it, we were going by too fast for me to read it. But what, what stood out was Martin Luther King Jr. 
Um, and then the third sign said something about justice for black lives. Again, we were driving, so I couldn't really read um, the sign because it was wordy and we were in motion. But I had such great appreciation for that. And um, I was sitting in the back seat and there's dark tinted windows. So I can I don't know if they could see me pumping my fist, but my father immediately threw up the peace sign, you know. Um, and I had such great appreciation for that, especially after having a conversation with this little old white man on one of my walks last week who told me that there are more white people who want to support us than we know. But when they get around certain white people, they get browbeat for wanting to do what is right. And not everybody has the courage to stand up against that. <laughs> I, I hear you, but as black people, we really don't have that luxury. You know, I mean, we could bury our heads in the sand if we wanted to, but that would be completely asinine. I don't want to be the next victim. I don't want my father, my sister, my mother, my nephews, my niece, my cousins, my friends, my loved ones. I don't want anyone, people I don't know, to be the next victim. I can't bury my head in the sand. So I understood the courage that it took for these people to, first of all, have a lawn sign. Um, because you're letting, you're letting your community know, this is how I feel. And not only that, but the people who were standing out there on that street corner holding their signs. And I, I appreciate that. Those are allies. They're willing to stand up in their own community by themselves. This wasn't a rally filled with black people and they were filling in the holes. There's not really any black people there. They were sending this message out to white folks. Who are the people who need to see it? I was in uh, a neighborhood the other day marching and I came up on a couple. And this is more of a well-to-do neighborhood um, here in Middletown. And um, this couple, this white couple walked up to me. They were out walking their dog. And um, the... Um, husband immediately was like throwing up his, you know, um, his thumbs up. And the wife said to me, thank you for bringing this message to our community because it's needed. And, um, I appreciated her, um, recognizing what's needed in her community. That's, that's an important part too, you know? So anyway, um, I know this was a little, um, different from what I've been talking about lately because I've been talking about the march, but it all has to do with the same topic. And what are we going to do with what's going on in America? How are we going to bring about change? We've been demanding change and it's been falling on deaf ears. So we're going to have to make the change ourselves. And what I'm looking for and hoping for is that we get ourselves an Adam Clayton Powell Jr. who can rally us together and then put together a plan of action and say, this is what you need to do and what you need to do and what you need to do. And what I would like to see is 
one leader at the top with community leaders under his leadership and in foot soldiers under the leadership of the community leaders with action plans. So he gets in front of all of us and he says, we're going to do A, B, and C in the Northeast. And we're going to do one, two, and three in the Southwest. The the leader in the Northeast is so-and-so. The community leader in the Southwest is so-and-so. And then so-and-so meets with the foot soldiers and say, these are our priorities. This is our prerogative. This is what we're going to do. And then it all comes back together at the top, making a great change for the United States as a whole. But you see different things have to be done differently in different communities. And that's why you have to break it down. So that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm hoping for. I don't know who that person is or if he's out there. In the meantime, I will continue to do what I've always done and follow those words of Adam Clayton Powell Jr. And keep the faith, baby. I will keep the faith and continue to call on the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Holy Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I have prayed to him and I have asked him, Lord, please have Jesus build a fence all around me. Keep me protected. Lord, send the Holy Spirit to guide and lead me on the path that I should follow. And Lord, give me the strength to endure all that I might face as I walk this walk. So I'm going to keep the faith. I'm going to continue to learn, baby, learn, so I can earn, baby, earn, and make some changes. Alrighty, this is Adre signing off. Um, hey guys, I just wanted to add a little something um, about what I said in it, uh, that episode you just listened to. Two things, actually. One, um, I do apologize. I could not find the name of the NAACP rep that spoke at the um, uh, Congressional Black Caucus uh, virtual town hall that I listened to. But I can tell you this, I listened to it on June 5th. So that was two Fridays ago. The topic was Speak Up, Speak Out, a virtual town hall on living while Black in America. And the flyer actually said COVID-19 stopped everything except for racism. So if you can um, Google that, maybe you can uh, find a clip of it Um and listen to the NAACP representative. She spoke near the end, um, but she really put some good action plans out there that I think that we should heed. So if you get a chance. Also, I just wanted to elaborate a little bit more about seeing the pictures of Melania Trump and Ben Carson, because I want people to understand why I was so bothered by that series of photographs. It was a gesture with little meaning behind it, 
I don't see Melania Trump hanging out with Ben Carson, but the two of them went to the National Archives together. It was just the two of them. It was a photo op. Let's send our White House token out with the First Lady and have them go look at the Emancipation Proclamation so that the, they can see that the government is making some kind of um, gesture. And that's all it is. It's it's a gesture. And it's not enough, especially when her words were, this country was built on freedom. And then she put hashtag Juneteenth. Maybe she put hashtag Juneteenth uh, because of the connection to the Emancipation Proclamation. But let's understand something about that. Juneteenth didn't take place when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed and, and, and was enforced. Not in Galveston, Texas. It took two years. The people out there remained slaves for two more years. And that's what this celebration is about. They had a different Independence Day than others who were on the East Coast and who were freed by the Emancipation Proclamation. And please understand this, the Emancipation Proclamation did not free the slaves. It freed slaves who were in rebel states, not Southern states, rebel states. So if you were a slave in a state even if it was south of the Mason-Dixon line, but your state hadn't rebelled against the Union, you were not freed. So that's important to understand. It was just in those Confederate states that rebelled against the Union and fought in the Civil War. The slaves there were freed. All the other slaves had to wait for the 13th Amendment to come along. And I will admit, wasn't that long after, a um, couple of years, it was 1865, I want to say. Um, so I just wanted to give you that bit of information about the Emancipation Proclamation, because I can remember being in the fifth grade and being taught that the Emancipation Proclamation freed the slaves. I was taught that. Those are the words my teacher said, and maybe that's the way she understood it. I don't know. I'm just giving her the benefit of the doubt. Or maybe she was just ignorant and decided to pass on her ignorance. Uh, but there were many slaves who were not freed by the Emancipation Proclamation. So anyway, uh, Juneteenth is about this one specific area of the country that found out they were freed two years after they were freed. And then... As they spread across the country, the celebration became nationwide. It is a celebration that I have participated in over many years, not just in 2020. Um, but I'm glad to see it getting the recognition that it is getting. And I think it's important that it become a national holiday. And I'm also glad to see that my bank... Um, sent out an, an email today uh, letting us know that all of their branches will be closing at two o'clock today in honor of Juneteenth. I want to see that um, be 
come a federal holiday where they can be closed all day, <laughs> um, like President's Day. Um, if we can celebrate a day in, in which we honor a man who owned slaves, George Washington, then we should be able to close the banks and have a federal holiday in which we honor Juneteenth. Um, so anyway, um, like I said, I just wanted to share that and let you know why I'm so bothered by the photo ops of the first lady with the White House token, you know, because that's really all it is. Um, Alrighty, that's it. Thank you for hanging in there and listening to this addendum. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Blue Diamond. Please remember that you can always listen on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and you can follow me on Spotify. You can also go to anchor.fm slash the blue diamond on either your mobile phone or laptop or tablet. And please remember to share the link so that others can enjoy the blue diamond.